and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Hello! Wow. He's feeling better. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Woo! Becoming a contest. Joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Hey guys, what's up? Ooh. Hey man, how you doing? He brings it. Lee goes NPR. <laughs> Fresh <laughs> the end of the hour will be an all didgeridoo band. All right, we've got a couple of announcements up top. We don't really do this, but we do want to plug some of our other podcasts. It's a big week here in the kind of bridge Chicago family of podcasting. We've had our great friend Eric Peters, who is a singer-songwriter out of Nashville, record an exclusive track for us. It's his version of Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. It was... He sang it. Uh, It was co-produced by Jed and Lee. It premiered... uh, we're recording this on Sunday. It premiered last Friday. We don't need to worry about the time travel elements of this. I can already see uh, where this is going. Lynn's brain starting to leak out of his nose. We're Wait, gonna, what? What? Never mind. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing never to see. Mind. So uh, it, the point is, it's already out. If you check out the Water Tower, which is the podcast that Lee produces, you yeah, will yeah. hear the premiere of that. Come thou found a very blessing from Eric Peters. There's also a sermon from some dude. Oh, it's me. I do a sermon on that, which has some very nice. cool this American lifestyle um, scoring from our boy Caleb Cooliot. Did a very cool job with that. Woot. It's the coolest Woot. I'm ever going to sound, so I'd really appreciate it if you would check that out. Cause it's kind of all downhill from there. And a really super cool song from Lee is on there, too. Absolutely. I believe that's off the uh, new Lee Younger album, Free, which if you were a Bridgebox Lee Younger subscriber, you'd know that by now. You'd already have that mm-hmm. and the t-shirt. Think about that. Think <laughs> about that. But but wait, because I just want to make sure I understand what's going on. I mean, I know I was involved, but I have a lot of short-term memory problems, so I just want to sure. track with right. you. You're saying we've got this super cool... Well, you did a lot of fight clubbing in your day. Exactly right. And the first rule is... <laughs> I actually don't... What were we talking about? Okay, so... We got this super cool songwriter from Nashville. Yes. That, that's, you know, we're putting music stuff with him. Nashville, the city of lights, they call it. Right. So, and as we all know, every artist in Nashville is like crazy rich. Right. They have like a different Bentley for like every day of the week. Right. You don't want to drive Wednesday Bentley on Thursday. That'd be gauche. Let me tell you what, they got money wednesday bentley is a pretty good band out of nashville though <laughs> they got crazy money well before we get too far down this road which i'm clearly going to have to put a stop to but i just want to get the plugs fully out of the way because we also have an episode of the bridge podcast which we just out of here also featuring come thou fount from our friend eric and yes. a cut off his new ep called counting my rings which jed was cool enough to do some design work for that we, we've mentioned that to eric before some of you I think we've actually used Counting My Rings as an outro song on this here very podcast. You get to hear the full version of that and uh, something very cool. We are, there's always a sermon on the Bridge podcast, normally from Glenn, yep. sometimes from myself. This time, we cut together all four sermons from our Bridge service in, right here in Chicago. Whoa. So you get to hear not only myself and Glenn, some uh, snippets from our sermons, but you also get to hear um, our friend uh, Dr. Albert Starr, who's the director of African Descent Ministries for the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, which is a big nice. fancy way of saying Pastor Starr's a big deal. And our uh, our good friend Pastor Jasper Edwards, who preaches at the awesomely named Rose of Light Missionary Baptist Church. So if you want to hear some, not only some awesome music from here, but some really cool, authentically Chicago preaching that you may not get to hear if you live in a place that isn't the south or west side of Chicago, now would be an awesome time to do that. Jed, I believe you had some deranged ranting to do before I cut you off. Well, you've just made my case even more. Right. Now we don't just have one song right. uh, from this famous Nashville guy. Right. We have two songs from him, right. both on the Bridge Podcast, which you can get free of charge on iTunes. Right. And you should already be subscribed. Right. And since you're All the subscri- cool people are. They are. And, Glenn, what Period. should they do when they go to that page on the iTunes? Uh, leave a review! You should leave a review like a person. Like Glenn a is person. very high. Even Glenn's catchphrases are high energy this show. That's really true. But here's what I'm saying, Matt, is you've made my case even more. Now we got two songs. 
everybody knows every artist in Nashville is like loaded. Right. I mean, like rich, like crazy citizen Kane rich. Right. Right. Like when Eric Peters nope. signs, signs autographs, he somehow they have made they've made a, a, a sharpie out of gold. Right. And platinum and diamond. That's right. right. That's right. Glenn, I feel like that has implications for us. Let me tell you what. I'm going to try. Let's predict a future right now. Okay. What's going to happen is we're going to be riding that gravy train with biscuit wheels. So. <laughs> you understand what I'm trying to talk about? Oh, I, I hear you. Because here's what happens. It, Eric Peters is a big deal. He's a big deal. This is like he, he is a big deal. He's not he's not rich, but he is a big deal. He has opened for uh, Cademan's Call. He's done a lot of touring with Andrew Peterson. Andrew Sanga's in Cademan's Call. He's done a lot of cool stuff. Featured on a good podcast right here called Under the Radar Radio. Very often ex- invited to speak at things like the uh, the Hutchmoot Conference in Nashville. Eric, Eric gets around, and these, okay. and these are like exclusive tracks. That he's doing One with of us, is. right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. To come that I mean, like the only way to get it is through us. That's right. That's true. Okay. Here's right. what I'm trying to tell you: it's basically already happening that we are going to be rich, y'all. I feel like we need to declare something, Glenn. Declare it. Do you want to, or shall I? I think you shall. Oh, I'm ready to declare not just an emergency. Wait for it, people. A cash emergency. Cash emergency. Wow. Cash emergency. What are we going to do with all the cash, y'all? What are we going to do? Because you got to have a plan. Everybody knows that everybody on this podcast, for us, it's all about the Benjamins. Period. Cash flows everything around Exactly right. Okay. I always wondered how long it would take for us to quote Puff Daddy on this (laughs) show. uh, (laughs) Not long enough. Look, I've I've been on record before of saying, as soon as I hit it big, my first thing is gold-plated bidet. Just like boom, done. First thing, right? First thing. Not a joke, by the way, folks. He mentions that in casual conversation. That is absolutely true, right? Okay, and I mentioned this recently too. I'm going through. I'm here in Chicago. I'm going through a Korean grocery store, like you do, right? And you can only get the freshest of kimchi. That's right. And they have like all these little kind of side markets off the side of the grocery store, like one of those mega marts, you Mm. know. And one of them is they're selling bidets. Right. Okay. But this bidet has a special function. Tell me. You push a button and this little device comes up. It's like a armature that comes up underneath you and blows warm air (laughs) (laughs) to dry your backside off. Okay. And let me tell you, the moment I saw that, here's what I said to myself. I really can't be happy right. until this is mine. Sure, right. that, that is your view of a uh, Louis the Sixteenth Versailles level of luxury. Yeah, just, you know, I, mansions doesn't interest me. Sure. Gold-plated bidet. That is it. With air dryer. With the air dryer function. Okay, okay. So that's just, that's my plan. Okay. Everybody, we, you know, it's what you call uh, uh uh, financial uh, responsibility, right? Financial sure. planning. Yeah, that's your financial plan. That's how. That's my plan. That's good. You that's know, you good. had to to go to that uh, uh, financial planning university. Sure. Exactly right. And get some good planning. So that's my plan. Oh, they have a gold day course. They won't tell you, but they have it. They you got, got it. Ask. They got it. Sure. Keep calling your radio show and asking. <laughs> Dave, what about the gold bidets? What about the gold bidets, Dave? Clear. I know you got them. Yeah, I think definitely do that. Well, you know, because I'm a better person than pretty much everyone else, I mm. actually, my plan involves the betterment of others. Oh. Okay, here's the thing. Well, There's a story. We were talking about this the other day. There's a story out of India, right. you know, about a year ago. Okay. This guy, he's a, a super rich dude. He made his money like in telecom or whatever. Right. But he's a single guy. Right. He's having trouble meeting the ladies. Okay. And you know what he says to him? So he says, you know what I need? You know what impressed the ladies? A shirt made entirely of gold. Well, real thing that happened. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I think that I think you would get a certain kind of attention. Absolutely, it's right. impressive. It might literally be from a gold digger, but that's attention nonetheless. That's true. He, here's what I'm saying. He got together a half dozen, you know, jewelers and goldsmiths and whatnot. He right. made him a gold shirt. Right. We presume happily married at this point. Sure. He had a vision. He got went for me. it. Here's what I'm saying. Well, all that Nashville money we're at that floating in. Yeah. 
Can we think of someone on this podcast? Maybe you could benefit from a gold shirt. Let me tell you what. Because here's what it is, listeners in podcast land. The man is lonely. <laughs> yeah. Inaccurate. He wants that female companionship False. that only a gold shirt can bring. That's Could right. you resist the combo power of the gold shirt and the beard? Let me tell you, there's no possible way. No. Okay, that's just... That's game over right that's there. That's game over. Because everybody knows on this podcast, it's like a boy band. Yeah. Which each of them have a different thing. Right. You know, right. Lee's the nice one. Right. Sure. You're the brooding one. Sure. sure. I'm the cool one. Sure, of course. By far. Sure. Well, okay. because you have a goatee, that also makes you by default the street tough one. There you go. You're the, Don, you're the Donnie Wahlberg in this particular, <laughs> this particular ecosystem. No one will get that, but it was well still worth it. And then you have Matt here. He's the gold-shirted one. He's he, the one who's been broken down by the other three of you. He basically, let me tell you, ladies, let me tell you. Handsome. Yeah. A okay. beard that you would not right. believe. That's right. Then add to that gold shirt. Yeah. You know what you basically got? Tell me. You essentially have Thor. <laughs> That's essentially what you're doing. That is with. that is writing checks che- a check my abs can't cash, Glenn. <laughs> it's 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 as close as you're gonna get to Thor. <laughs> right. So you know what? Why not pull up and and settle for Matt? I King? need there to be I'm gonna split <laughs> split off from this range rant to go on my own range rant. I'm not gonna be the one to do it because I've got enough headaches in my life. I need someone to make an online dating profile of which the only thing says as close to Thor as you're gonna get. <laughs> Here's a say yeah. that guarantee. We all saw Thor. Yeah, the first one. Yeah, yeah. We all saw yeah. the scene where he drinks coffee for the first time. Yes. Loves it. Throws the drink down and demands another. Yeah. If you go on a date with gold-shirted Matt, he will do that he, wherever you he go. Will spike that coffee sure. cup on the ground. He always does that anyway. Yeah, that, yeah. That, I would actually do that part anyway. There you go. That's a say that guarantee. Okay, so. Beard, gold shirt, right. smashes a coffee cup. What, what does it take to make you happy that's what we're trying to ask here lee you've met eric peters (laughs) he has come to do a show in your town in his not at all new minivan you've you've met the man you know of his actual financial situation you know how podcasting works lee you're my last hope be my voice of reason we are all going to be so rich. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Look, Eric rolls up, you know, Eric rolls up in this old minivan and stuff like that. You know, he's got his guitar cases, ratty, whatnot. Here's the thing. He's humble, He's humble, y'all. He's humble. That's how he plays it. Look, he's not going to walk around. He's not going to spend money like Kanye does. He's not going to make it obvious. He, look, he, he, he's not like that. He's humble, but he, he, he has to be filthy rich because he's a musician in Nashville, Matt. That's, that's like one plus one equals two, dude. That's it. Yeah. Matt, I and because he was on our podcast, I'm just waiting for the Benjis to start rolling. Yep. It's that big old check, man. It's coming. That's All right, right man. I'm I'm gonna try to speak slowly, and calmly, <laughs> and get through this. Eric's not a rich man. That's but let's put that over here. Let's, okay, well, I'll grant you that. Okay, you guys think Eric's rich? He's not. Okay. He's a fantastically talented singer songwriter who sometimes has to mow yards to make everything neat. And if you are someone who buys Christian music from someone not Eric Peters, that's kind of your fault, but we'll get to that later. Okay. <laughs> yes. We'll yes. Just, we're going to put that over here. Podcasts. You all, yeah. We all listen to podcasts. Right. Right, sure. We consume them other than this one. You don't, you don't pay money to get the podcast. Right. It's a free service. Sure. Right. So there's no money going in. Right. So where would money come from? The, the internet, the internet, the internet. internet dollars. Yeah, that's how you get paid on the internet. Is the inter- and then you spend it where on the internet? Did the Bitcoin people Hello? get to you, Glenn? Is that it's, what's going it's on? It's very here? similar to the math. I can I can prove to you that all musicians in Nashville are rich, and Eric Peters is a musician in Nashville, therefore he must be rich. Check this out: music um, plus Nashville money. There you go. That's done. Period. You know what? That's basic math. I don't, th- I don't think math. anyone sufficiently showed their work on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's clear I'm not going to make any headway, so let's leave all. Okay, okay. Just before we leave this subject, I'm going to put it out there. If y'all don't like it, send it right back. I'm saying boat. Sure. Okay. You know what I mean? Four yeah. man boat. Sure. 
and we get on that boat and you know we just sail off we just you know, wherever you know the mean? winds may take us wherever the winds may take us that, we that would be bad sailing by definition we we just you know they just call that drifting yeah, <laughs> we're just gonna take off and see that's what happens set adrift as punishment <laughs> it it may i and here's what i'm thinking as a possibility it could end up being like one of them psychological experiments you sure. know like a Lord of the Flies kind of. It situation. sounds like a thing where you just want to get us into international waters, Glenn. Yeah, <laughs> just just let just just no laws to govern us. Be psychologically taught. That's right. You know, that's the now we got something that's genius. We well, see now that we know how to spend it. I feel satisfied. I can go ahead and declare cash emergency off. Cash emergency off. Okay. Dollar bill. Eric show. Peters, not a rich man. He's a fantastic singer songwriter though. And you should buy things he has made, because I don't know if uh, I have to. How deep I have to go into this? There are Christian musicians who are rich, and uh, Eric Peters is not rich, and uh, that that is a fact that makes me very angry on a daily basis. Because I've heard the products of those Christian musicians who are rich, and wow, is that really not that good? Yeah. Eric Peters, on the other hand, great stuff. Many good albums. You can find them at ericpeters.net. You can connect with Eric on Twitter, at Eric Peters Music. You can find some great stuff he's done. And if you want to hear some previews, you can check out the Water Tower and the Bridge Podcast coming out this week. Yeah. And you get them on your podcast, and boom, rich. Boom. Rich, And rich. then, at some point in the future, if you really like that track, Come Thou Find of Every Blessing, I'm willing to bet it's going to make an appearance on Bridgebox. Ooh. There's all sorts of cool stuff on Bridgebox. Lots of fun, exclusive stuff. Tell Songs, us more about it. sermons, videos. Thank you, Glenn. That was very helpful. <laughs> Glenn likes to help. Songs, sermons, videos, writings, Bible studies, devotionals, all sorts of cool stuff based around a question to help you in your walk. Upcoming, uh, give you a little preview of May, which you'll also be hearing some previews in the sermons on that Bridge Podcast episode, is how do I share my faith without being a jerk? Pretty important topic. You can get in on that. That's $8 a month, missionyoshead.com slash bridgebox. Or you can sign up for the very special Lee Younger branded bridgebox, missionyoshead.com slash BBLY. That's also $8 a month. Exclusive new music from Lee, behind the scenes videos, chord charts, and some stuff he's picked from other bridgeboxes. If you want to get both, we've had a lot of people signing up for this deal recently. It's a really good deal. Both of those, $16 worth of content a month for only $12. Email me, Matt, at MissionUSA.com. And all the money you give to Bridgebox or Bridgebox Lee Younger goes directly to support the ministry we are doing in our respective areas. You get ministered to and you fund ministry. You're not going to beat that anywhere else. Amen. All right, let's jump to our first question here. If you hang out with us all the way to the end, we'll give you some ways to get in touch with this. This came to us from our friend on Tumblr. I have to do some quick Tumblr translation with lack of capitalization. God said go to China. That's not me ordering you. I'm not the voice in your head. That's the person's <laughs> Tumblr handle. What don't if I don't want to go to China? Me. <laughs> the guy in my earbud said to. No, no. All right. This question says, how would you recommend trying to teach books like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Proverbs, and Psalms and such? To middle school age youth, I teach and disciple some really smart kids that absorb so much of the Bible that I'm running out of story-based books to teach them, and I want to show them this other part of the Bible, but I'm not a biblical expert, and I don't have the educational background to do it any sort of justice. I also want it to be within their grasp. How do I do this? Lee, can you start us off? Absolutely. Um, thanks for writing in the question and uh, we, we love questions like this. We, one thing that you've heard us say before on the podcast, you've heard us talk about this is we love to talk uh, ministry strategy stuff. Uh, how, how do you actually go about serving the people that God has put in your life and that he's given you a burden for? And so we love to look at these kind of questions, but the first thing that I would say on this deal is that I, if, if I can, if, if you permit me to say it, I think we might be looking at this from the wrong way around. Um, rather than saying, what's the best way for me to teach intimidating, really long, difficult books of the Bible that I don't understand and I don't have any experience with? What's the best way for me to teach those to middle school aged youth? Uh, rather than asking it that way, let's, let's pull back and say, what is going on in the lives of my middle school aged youth that I need to talk about? Yep. Um, what we need to do is rather than starting with 
a prescri- you know, saying we're going to start with this scripture. And even though I don't know anything about it, and even though it's really intimidating, and even though I don't know what I'm doing, I'm just going to pile my way through it. Um, rather than do that, let's start with what is, and this is a, this is a, a term that you've heard Glenn use on the podcast before. If you've listened for a long time, what are the felt needs of the people that I'm trying to reach? So in other words, what, what are the kids going through that I'm trying to take care of? This is where we want to start with ministry is the people that I'm reaching, the people that I'm ministering to, the people that I'm discipling, where are they stuck? What, where are they hurting? What are they going through? What do they need? The thing that, the thing is, is if I am, let's say that I'm a middle school kid who, um, I'm shy and I have a lot of insecurities. And whenever I go to my middle school, I hate going there because I don't feel like I have any friends and I feel like everybody talks about me and everybody hates me. That's the only, if if I'm, if I'm that middle school kid, which that's every middle school kid, um, you know, let me give you the shortcut answer to that. If I'm that middle school kid, that's the only thing I care about every day. It's the only thing I think about all day long is that everybody hates me and how can I possibly show my face there? Now, if you want to teach me about the book of Jeremiah at middle school group, that's fine. You can do that. And my parents will probably drop me off there and I'll probably be in the building at that time. But when you're talking about the exile of God's children to Babylon, I don't care at all. Yep. And here's what's worse. God doesn't seem to have anything to say about my life. Yeah. Right. Now, Now, there are some great stuff in Jeremiah. There's some great stuff in Isaiah. I'm not saying there's not. And I'm not saying that, like, if you you find, you know, whatever you find out your kids are going through, you might be able to find something awesome that speaks to them in some of these books of the, the you know, some of these kind of history books in the Old Testament. There's some great nuggets in there. There's some great stuff in there. But... If I know that my middle school friends are going through that, and by the way, we the reason we know that they're going through that is because we're earning the right to be heard by being their friends and being in their lives and learning what they're going through. If I know that that's what they're going through, which is where the ministry starts, then I know that even though they've heard the story of Zacchaeus a thousand times, even though we've already done that story, I know that's really the only thing they're thinking about is the fact that even though everybody hated him and even though he was different than everybody else, Jesus knew this guy's name and he wanted to go to, go to his house and he wanted to hang out with him. No matter what he had done before, no matter how much everybody else in town hated him, Jesus knew this guy's name and wanted to hang out with him. I absolutely promise you that even though you think you've told those stories ad nauseum, when you speak directly into the lives of where your kids are and what and what's causing them hurt, you are going to, um, it's going to speak to them. They're going to feel like Jesus is connecting with exactly what they're going through. That's, that's when we're getting the ministry done. I'll, and I'll tell you this, uh, one more thing before, a couple more things before I finish up here. One is I've been doing professional ministry for gosh, oh, more than 12 years at this point, And, um, like full-time professional ministry, I've been teaching, uh, teaching classes from the scriptures t- at least twice a week for that entire time, which do the math, that's a whole lot of Bible study lessons, okay? And I can tell you this, I still love to pick up, uh, I still love to read books from pastors that are, you know, that are long dead, 100-year-old books who have thought deeply about a story in the gospels that I've read a thousand times and can bring something new and fresh to that story and can bring something out of it that has to do with my life. Uh, When somebody who's walking with Jesus can, can, you know, turn that story from the gospel of Mark a certain way and bring a new color out of it and bring a new life to it because they know me or because they thought about it or because they're connecting their own struggles and life to it. That brings that story to life. Even if I've heard it a thousand times, I want to hear it again. A couple more things real, real, real quick. Um, 
if you are approaching a book of the Bible and even for your own study and you just don't know where to find your legs because these are difficult books, I want to suggest a book called With the Word by Warren Wearsby. Um, he's, he's just a just a, uh, you know, he's an old school dude and, uh, never was like a famous pastor or anything like that, but he's written a lot of really helpful books that we call commentaries. He wrote this one called with the word where he has a one page, uh, he has a, a one page kind of entry on every single chapter in the entire Bible. And if you don't know where to find your, you know, what Jeremiah is about or what Isaiah is about, and you just want to figure it out, that's a great place to start. Just really, really, really simple little things on every single chapter in the Bible. He's a cool dude and he's rock solid theology, real good dude. Last, last thing I'll say on this is if you want some help on developing Bible study lessons to, to take into your youth group room that will have to do with the things your kids are going through, sign up for Bridgebox. Every Ooh. single month, Matt King puts together... Um, with the help of Glenn and Jeb, but Matt puts together these Bible studies that are absolutely awesome resources uh-huh. for for teaching uh, in any group. If you've got a middle school group, if you've got a high school group, if you're teaching college kids, you're teaching people in their 40s and 50s. These are Bible studies that you can literally download from your Bridgebox subscription, print out, walk into a room cold, and teach this lesson, and you will be getting high-quality ministry done, very high-level stuff. So if you haven't done it yet, I'm telling you, you need to sign up for Bridgebox if for nothing else, it's going to get you through the door with great, some great Bible study lessons to take to your middle school kids. Absolutely. We'll, we'll remind you that missionusa.com slash bridgebox and the title of that book was With the Word by Warren Wearsby, which is A, a great book, and B, an avalanche of alliteration. <laughs> <laughs> I was really happy with that joke, so I had to say it good. at immediate nice. time. Jed? Well, uh, Lee nailed it. Uh, so I'm basically going to add just one quick thing before I throw it over to Glenn. Um... Anytime you're trying to teach anything from the Bible, uh, here's the question everybody is asking is, what does this all have to do with me? That's that's the thing that we're all asking. Um, And the bottom line is you're either answering that question or you're not. Um, I know this probably sounds like borderline heresy in some circles, but Bible knowledge for its own sake doesn't actually have a ton of value. Um, even Jesus, even Jesus said, you, you, you go to Moses and they talk about me, but you don't even, you don't even come to me. Exactly right. Exactly right. Knowing that Bible has value when we start to figure out how to apply it to our lives. That's, that's when it starts to have value. If you want to teach out of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Amos, whatever, it's fine. As long as the focus is, this is what this means for your life. That's when it becomes an issue. So, for example, a number of the minor prophets have a huge focus on justice for the poor. Uh, It's a theme that comes up again and again and again. Now, you could do a great Bible study series on God's heart for justice for the poor and what does that mean for our lives today. That would be an amazing Bible study series. And if you start getting into, you know, Lee's talking about. Um, you know, the, the emotional reality of middle, middle school students that their question is, does everybody hate me? I'm pretty sure everybody hates me. Everybody hates me, right? Um, if you started saying, you know, there's other people in the world just like you that feel that way too. Um, and, um, and they think that people, everybody must hate them because they don't, they don't have enough to eat and they don't have a place to sleep and they don't have anything going for them. And what if we could do something about that? You know, what if we could do something about their suffering and their hard time? Understand uh, there are 11, 12, and 13-year-old kids that would say, let's suit up and do it right now. I'm ready sure. to go. Let's, oh, let's, yeah. let's kick off the revolution. You could do um, a Bible study series on the minor prophets of the Old Testament that would have middle school kids ready to ride, I mean, ready to do this sure. thing, if you make it about their lives. If you make it about, here's what the Bible means for you. The truth is, you can do that with any part of the Bible. Um, you can do that with um, Leviticus. You can do it with Romans. But it's a choice. It's a heart-level decision. I'm going to focus on what this all means for these kids. That's, that's the difference. A lot of what you see in mainstream Protestant Christianity today is a focus on learning for the sake of learning. Head knowledge for the sake of head knowledge. The thing you need to understand is no one is signing up for that. No one, as people get older, they will pretend they want that. Yeah. <laughs> Younger kids will not pretend to want that. And the truth is actually no one wants that. No, no one is interested in that. But 
any part of the Bible that you pick, if you will go into it with the focus, here's what this means for your life, they'll love it. They'll be all about it. And the tools that Lee mentioned in terms of commentaries and whatnot, those are the right tools to figure out how to present that information. But that's the choices before you is, are you going to focus on what this means in the lives of these kids? To the extent that you do that, you're going to see good success. Totally, Len. Yeah, the um, the sort of the uh, technical term for a lot of what we're talking about here uh, is contextualizing. That's that's what your uh, fancy uh, uh, you know educated types would call it. But the idea is that you're taking these stories that are taking place uh, uh, thousands of years ago under totally different circumstances. And you're explaining them so that uh, a contemporary uh, a middle school uh, youth uh, group person can understand it. So that you have to put it in context. You have to explain all this stuff around it. And as these guys are saying, you have to relate it uh, to something where they could uh, get their mind around it. Uh, for example, I can, I can and have preached about the uh, the – uh, trial and the arrest and the and and the crucifixion of Jesus many times, uh, but I noticed that um, when preaching it in jail, I would get to the part where uh, Jesus was beaten in front of his mother, and literally, you know, we've heard about floggings, we've heard about beatings, we've heard about accusations and all these different kind of things. But for these guys, it was almost more than they could imagine that Jesus was willing to be beaten in front of his mother and not uh, take out his revenge immediately. Just the impact of that just blew them away because that means something in their culture uh, that it doesn't necessarily mean in ours. So uh, understanding how these things impact your audience in a cultural way is really important. And being able to explain stuff in a way that they can uh, intake it is is important. Uh, you also mentioned not being an expert, and here's the great thing: experts aren't needed. Yep. Yep. I, uh, <laughs> I'm going to tell you a story. You can you can read. You can get out your 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 computer there, look up on the internet, and read everything there is to know about Isaiah in a couple of hours, maybe. I mean everything. We don't know that much about Isaiah. We don't know that much about Jeremiah. There's what's in the Bible, which is a few pages worth. You can read that. Uh, but then that's it. You know, we got a lot of scholars that have some information, other uh, historical sources. And there's, of course, then a ton of speculation. Well, that's just that. It's speculation. If you want to deal in the actual story, turns out, uh, you know, it's pretty easy to study up on that. And you, you know everything there is to know. But the other side of that is the scripture part of that. I don't like the idea of, I want to teach this scripture and tell the people everything that's in it. That, that, I, don't, I don't like the mentality of that because here's the thing. Every time I look at scripture, I see something new I didn't see before. Uh, right. So I have an image of scripture as something that has almost an infinite complexity and an infinite depth to it. So the idea that I'm going to teach it all at once is crazy. I, I'm just going to try and teach the elements of this that's going to impact my kids and help them move forward in their walk with the Lord. Uh, what we don't need uh, is experts in the law and experts in the Old Testament and experts in uh, uh, you know the, the minor prophets and all these different kind of things. What we do need is people who are experts on their own kids yes. that they're ministering to. Yeah, dude. Uh, we, we need you to know their problems, their ins, uh, ins and outs, their struggles, their, the, the, the things that, that, that get to them and bother them that they get stuck on. And as these fellows have mentioned, then we can use Scripture as a way of help setting them free on that. Yep. That teaches them to love the Word. That teaches them that there are answers in the Word. And that's the most powerful Bible teaching we can give them. Absolutely. I agree with everything you've heard here. I'll add a couple of quick points. One being, there is narrative to every part of the Bible. If you're going to look for it, you mm -hmm. say, you know, I'm running out of story-based books. And we all know what you mean by that. There's histories in the Old Testament. There's, you know, the, uh, the first five books, which are all what we think of as Bible stories, Abraham and Noah and Jacob and all that stuff. But there's a narrative arc to Isaiah and Jeremiah. Uh, each of the uh, 
psalms have kind of their own mini narrative arc and some of them are grouped into that if you do a little research that you guys are talking about you'll find stories to teach if that's the way you like teaching and uh, the other thing is as all these guys have mentioned you don't need to be a bible expert because you're not teaching bible experts if you're going if you were teaching a class at a seminary you would need to know hebrew you would need to know all your historical background you need all that stuff you're teaching middle school kids who have never heard the story before either so if you just sit down and read it through once and think, oh, that thing jumps out to me because that sounds cool or I relate to that, odds are your kids are going to relate to that too. You don't have to be an expert. You just have to, as these guys are saying, know your kids and know enough to know what speaks to them. All right, so we're going to move to our next question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr. It says, how do I stop doubting God? I know he exists, but I always doubt whether he cares about my life or whether he hears my prayers. I feel like a failure because I don't have enough faith to trust him and not doubt. Jed, can you start us off? Yeah, dude, thank you so much for your question. Uh, I totally relate. Uh, Hello. Everything you're saying, I totally relate. You said, how do I stop doubting God? The the answer is you don't. Um, What what changes is what you do with those doubts. Um, That's that's actually what, what growth is. For the rest of your life as a Christian... There will be a part of you, and and we may discover that it's ultimately our sinful nature, but there will be a part of you that doubts God, um, that Mm. doubts that he's there, that doubts that he loves you, that doubts that he cares, that doubts that he's going to come through for you. The thing is, what are we going to do with those doubts? That's actually um, where the growth is. Now, what most people do, and I'm really proud of you that you're not doing this, what most people do is pretend they don't have any doubts. That's that's yep. actually when you go to church, understand next Sunday when you go to church, you're looking around, you're looking at an entire room full of people that are eaten alive by their doubts about God. That's all you're seeing in that entire room. And about 95 percent of them are pretending they don't have any. And it's completely Correct. killing them. Um, and the thing is, y- you can't address what you are pretending is not going on. Um, and so you're sunk. And that's where the devil hopes most people will go. And I'm really proud of you because you're not doing that. You're being honest. I do have doubts. I am having a hard time here. I don't know what to do with this. The thing that we want to do, the, the most righteous, the most holy thing we can do is to simply take those doubts to God and tell him. Simply go straight to the Lord and say, there's a big part of me that doesn't think you care. There's a big part of me that doesn't think you're going to come through. There's a big part of me that doesn't think you got my back. I'm not claiming I'm right about that. I'm not claiming that's, uh, I'm just saying it's how I feel. It's inside of me. Plus, God already knows, so it's not like we need right. to hide it. I mean, he's, he's aware it's there. But the thing is, there's something about honesty that it's, you know, it's the pin that bursts the balloon. Um, you know, it, it, it allows us to relax because the moment that we say to the Lord, you know what, there's a big part of my heart that thinks you just don't care. You're not going to come through for me. We can take a deep breath because we said that out loud to God and the world didn't stop spinning. So uh, clearly we're okay. And then the next question is, okay, what are we going to do about it? What, what now? Now we can start to develop a plan. There are really two pieces to this. The first is having the courage, and, and this is part of what you're of wrestling with your doubts, actually taking them head on. If you listen to this podcast, you've heard Glenn talk about this process before. Um, we don't avoid our doubts. We don't pretend they're not there, but we wrestle with them. We, we, we start going to the Lord and not just saying, here's how I feel and you know, I'm, I'm afraid maybe you're not going to come through for me. We start asking, why do I feel that way? What is it that's in my head that's driving that? I'll, I'll give you an example from my own life. You know, when you work as a missionary, um, you have to rely on God a lot. Like yeah. over and over and over again. And you think by the hundredth time you had to rely on God, it would be easier to do that. You'd think. It's not. It's re- Now, what's maddening about it is you've got in your head, but I know he came through the last 99 times. Why can't I just be a person sure. and relax? Well, doesn't see, change the fact that rent's due tomorrow. <laughs> that doesn't change the fact that rent's due tomorrow. That's why we've got to start asking now, why is that? You know, why, why does this doubt, when that little voice in my head says, maybe God's not going to come through for you, why does that get so much purchase inside of me? Let's look at that. Where is that coming from? And that's that wrestling part. And the more that we wrestle with it, the more we get some answers, the more peace we're going to be able to find. And that's the thing that we want. It's not so much to never have doubtful thoughts occur to us, but to have peace. That's the thing that we're looking for. The second half of it is listening to the Lord and getting wisdom from other people on just what's the one next step. 
just what's the one next thing that God's asking me to do in this situation? Yeah. Um, because if we're willing to take the one next step today, we can't be stopped. That's the thing ultimately the devil's hoping will happen is if I get you doubtful and afraid and spun up, then you won't, you'll, you'll be frozen. You'll stop moving. And then he's won. That's the goal. But if you're willing to wrestle with your doubts and take just one more step, if we can figure out what that just one next step is and take it, well, you put one next step and one next step and one next step. And before you know, you've really gone somewhere and you've seen God come through. And you've realized that he is trustworthy and that your ability to manage those doubts grows better and stronger and faster and it gets a little bit easier um uh, that's all i got but we love you we believe in you um you're actually the fact that you're being honest about your doubts means you're already well on your way to conquering them um we love you absolutely glenn well, i agree 100 percent with what jed's saying here that uh, it's it's important think of it just uh, you know i sort of had the picture in my head uh, when we when we recognize we've done something wrong we're on something bad there's a there's a, a tendency to try and shrink back from that thing. Yeah. To say, oh, I need yeah. to stop doing that thing. But what Jed's actually describing is doing the exact opposite, which is almost going deeper into the doubt in order to work through it. Yeah. To pushing through to the other side of that doubt. And so it's it's going in the exact opposite direction your instinct is telling you to go in. And that's an important uh, step because I think a lot of this has to do with the way you conceive of your walk. What what's a good walk to you right now? A good walk is one where nothing goes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and the the problem with that I'll share with you is that does not exist. Never gonna happen. Uh-huh. Um, so you feel a certain amount of pressure to pretend that nothing's going wrong, and then right. that builds up, builds up, builds up, and then you kind of hide it, and then you kind of fake it off and then you kind of what at some point you come face to face with the fact of hey you know i really don't have i'm doing a wrong thing i have a wrong attitude and i can't get away from it um and that's when we recognize that if we're looking for a way to measure strength in our walk a good quality christian walk what we ought to measure is how good we are at working through yep the sin and the problems and the doubts and the fears and the worries we know will be there. Yeah. You are imperfect. You are messed up. You are jacked up like the rest of us. You may fake off better than the rest of us on this podcast do, but uh, we're not fooled. We know where you're at. Uh, we know where your your friends and church are at. Uh, these, are, these are the essential truths of life. We all struggle. We all have problems. We all have doubts. No question about that. Everybody on this podcast has their doubts. That's a, that's just a, that's, that's human nature. That's part of the experience. It's part of the growth in our relationship with God. The difference, though, uh, that we're talking about is we're the kind of people that engage those doubts and work through them and and, right. and whatever. Because what we're measuring is not how much sin is going on because we expect there will be sin continuously. I don't. I expect to die imperfect. I, yeah. I don't expect to find perfection on this side of, of eternity. Therefore, I know there's always going to be some sin going on. I don't look at the sin. What I'm looking at is how well am I moving through it, for heaven's sake. In order to move through it, i got to go forward, and you're shrinking back. And the Bible says we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. We are of those who believe and are saved. So it's about that forward uh, motion. A last quick little thing. Faith comes from God. That's weird because you're talking about getting faith from God to turn around and believe in God with it. That's It's weird, but that's the only system we've got here. Yep. Uh, yeah. it, so we have to work through those doubts and understand that the faith is not natural. The faith does not come from you. You don't just have it. You don't gin it up from within yourself. It's a, it's a matter of getting these doubts out of the way to make room to receive the faith from God that you will then turn around and use to believe in God. It's, it's an odd kind of uh, setup there, but uh, if you can get all that pictured in your mind right, you can, you can work this stuff out. Totally, Lee. Well, I love everything that these guys have said on this, and uh, there, there's not a whole lot that needs to be said that's, that's, uh, that's left on this question. I'll say a couple things, though. Uh, uh, one thing that you need to know about yourself um, as a person who has doubts, and then one little piece of advice. The one thing that you need to know about yourself is the fact that you have doubts does not mean that God 
is not at work in your life, and it does not mean that he cannot work in your life. And um, you need to know that. Uh, you need to know that that uh, my doubts don't preclude God uh, being at work. Um, there's a there's a great place. Uh, it's you know a couple different places in Scripture, but I know for sure uh, it hap- it happens. Uh, you know, around about. Uh, ninth, 10th chapter of Mark, somewhere, wherever the transfiguration is, Jesus comes down from the mountain of transfiguration. And there's a guy that brings his, uh, a demon possessed son to Jesus. And he says, I brought him to your disciples. They couldn't do anything. And if you can do anything, would you help us? And Jesus says, if, you know, everything is possible for him who believes. And the guy says, well, I do believe, but help my unbelief. I mean, I believe in you, but I also have all these doubts. And the cool thing is Jesus doesn't pack up you know, and say, well, then I'm out of here. I mean, if, if you don't have perfect faith, then what, what are we doing? Uh, he, he, uh, he just takes the guy where he is, takes the amount of faith that he has and, uh, and then, and then, uh, heals the son. And so all that to say, like, just because you've got some doubts that you're wrestling with and going through, it doesn't mean Jesus isn't at work in your life. It doesn't mean that, that he's not going to bless you. It doesn't mean he's not going to be, uh, you know, changing things, all that kind of stuff. The last thing that I would say, just one small piece of advice is make sure that you've got some good friends who are not afraid to be honest about their walk with the Lord. One of the things that can help you the most is if you're honest about your doubts, then you've got some friends who can encourage you, bring scripture, you know, uh, that, that, that applies to what you're going through, remind you, like Jed's saying, of the times the Lord's been faithful to you. And then next week when they're having some doubts, you get to pump them up and encourage them. That's the great thing about having a community of people who love Jesus, who love you. When you can be honest about everything, you help each other. When I'm low, you help, you help pick me up. When you're low, I help pick you up. And so make sure that this is one of those moments where it's so, so important for you to have that community of support, those, those people that can be around you and encourage you when you're down. That's absolutely true. I'll close this question out by sharing one of my favorite quotes from my, one of my favorite writers, a guy named Frederick Buechner, who says, uh, Lord, I do believe, help my unbelief is the best any of us can do, really. Thank God it's enough. I think that's, a, that's something I refer, is a phrase I repeat to myself when uh, I'm having doubts. I think it's Amen. something you can carry with you. All right, we're going to jump to our last question here. It says, clarification time. Hey, question writers, don't tell us what time it is. We'll tell you what time it is, okay? <laughs> Clarification time. Take the, Not to take this passage completely out of context, but what does the Leviticus, what does the verse Leviticus 21, 13, he shall marry only a woman who is a virgin, mean for Christians today? What does this mean for men who are firm in their conviction that they are entitled to marrying a virgin? No, no. You'll get your turn. What does this mean for women who may have missed the mark? Oh, honey, if you're the person who wrote in this question, we love you. We believe in you. Go to a quiet place, sit down, and turn the volume up. Glenn, <laughs> why don't you start us off? <laughs> well, it is clarification time now. <laughs> uh, now, here's the thing. We talked earlier about contextualizing Scripture. Uh, we can put this Scripture in context for you. Uh, this is a... Uh, This passage of scripture is an instruction uh, to the descendants of Aaron. So you have Moses and laws being given to Moses, and his brother is Aaron, and uh, all the descendants of Aaron's are going to be priests, a sort of a class of priests. Um, And what we're receiving in uh, Leviticus 21 are instructions for priests in the temple where the descendants of Aaron, who's the brother of Moses, on how they should conduct their affairs in the same... And uh, actually, this particular passage, starting in verse 10, is referring to the high priest in particular. That's, the high priest, the one among his brothers who has been anointing oil poured on his head. Right. Uh, there's instructions there about never cutting your hair. Yeah. And never touching dead bodies. Yeah. So let's make sure we add that to the list of things that you can never do if you think this verse applies directly to you. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure why you would think this verse applies directly to you given that you are not a levite uh, given that you are not a descendant of Aaron, nor are you a priest in the temple and uh so you are a long way from being able to apply this to your daily situation but you do ask the question and rightly so um you know uh what does this mean uh for christians today 
uh, I think the most meaning you could squeeze out of that, and it's squeezing it pretty hard, is that God has instructions on relationships, that he has instructions on uh, who uh, that's appropriate for us to marry and who it's appropriate for us to not marry, and uh, that he wants to lead us in that, he wants to guide us in that. But then you ask, uh, what does this mean for men who are the fir- or who are of the firm conviction that they are entitled to marry a virgin? Um, that's not what this verse means. And again, it's not written to you. Uh, conviction is something that comes from the Holy Spirit. Uh, if you're going to tell me the Holy Spirit told you that you can only marry a virgin. I'm going to tell you, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to go home. I'm going to get down on my knees. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit the same exact question. Lord, did you tell this brother he can only marry a virgin? Or did he read this verse out of context, decide that that was the super holy thing to do, or someone else quoted in this verse out of context, and he decided that was the super holy thing to do, and then he decided he was going to be super holy by assigning this to himself. I'm going to find out whether that's a conviction or not, and then you and I are going to have a whole different discussion about putting words in the Holy Spirit's mouth and uh, presenting yourself as being super holy because you made up stuff and signed god's name to the bottom of it that is not holy that is not trying to obey scripture in any way that's creating your own man-made religion and then accounting yourself as as super righteous because you've done a great job at obeying your own man-made religion uh that's what we want to get away from when we talk about legalistic stuff that's what legalism is when we talk about um getting away from a gospel message and getting away from the good news this is what we're talking about sort of this self-imposed stuff um you read in the new testament you know that these are uh these are uh, principles and ideas that are they're merely the teachings of men and it's the idea that we're going to take something out of context and we're going to twist it around and then make everyone have to do that final point on this and i'll let these brothers uh kick it around because there's certainly a uh, lots to uh you on here uh bottom line is this is as bad a theology as you can get yep um let me tell you the most i'm going to boil christianity down for you as much as i possibly can so that you understand that this violates the basic rock bottom fundamentals of christianity and that is when i am forgiven that i am forgiven body mind and soul i'm forgiven past present and future i am washed clean the record is taken away my sins are taken as far as the east is from the west all of it goes away all of it is paid for i do not pay a heavenly prize i don't pay a heavenly consequence for what i did there is nothing in scripture about this is a, a category of sin. If you commit this sin, you're in a different group of people, and we get to be prejudiced against you. We get to look down on you, and we get to declare ourselves more holy because we aren't doing what you're doing. What the Bible mm-hmm. says clearly, and this couldn't apply any clearer to sex, the Bible is saying everyone is a sinner. Uh, right. You've had sexual thoughts and desires. You've you've acted on some of those things. You have pursued stuff. There is nobody so virginal in any possible definition of that word. <laughs> they can look around at everyone else and say, "I'm more. I, I'm such a virginal person. I couldn't be compatible with this person who's had you know nasty sexual thoughts and feelings and desires." That uh, to me, you have left Christianity altogether behind when you start taking on those viewpoints. So if that's something you're really wrestling with, as opposed to something that you just sort of heard and it, you know, it sticks in your mind, if you're really wrestling with that, I think you have to look at where, where are you getting your instructions on what Christianity is? Absolutely. Lee. Um, (laughs) it's hard to figure out where to start after hearing an answer like that, to be perfectly honest. Um, it was spot on every bit of it. Uh, the best thing you probably, probably do is just rewind it and listen to it again. If you've got the stomach for it, but, um, here, let me just give you a piece of advice. That's not directly related to the content of this question, but, 
whenever you feel an inclination to say the phrase, not to take this passage completely out of context, but it's time to sit down. Because the chances are really good you're about to do that exact thing. Kind of um, the theological equivalent of, I'm not a racist, but <laughs> right. abort, run away, don't do it. Exactly. I mean, it, you know, look, here's the deal with scripture is, as, as Glenn's saying, it, it would be very difficult to come up with a, a more whacked theology than, than what is being prescribed in this, in this, uh, in this question. And so you want to be very, very, very careful. My, my, you know, hopefully you didn't, hopefully you didn't get this directly from somebody that you're listening to. Hopefully this was just kind of a, you know, it's just kind of a misread or something like that. If this is in any way, the theology of your church or anything like that, it's time to bolt. If there's somebody over you that's talking like this, it's time to run as fast as you can. But, uh, there are people who build their whole lives on taking scripture completely and totally out of context, and you don't want to do that at all. Now, specifically on the uh, on the content of uh, of of this of this deal, um, I think the 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 part of this that that upsets me the most is the very last phrase, which the very last sentence, which says, "You know, what does this mean for women who may have missed the mark?" Um, dude, you don't get to talk to girls. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, yeah. I, look, we, you know, if you wrote it, if you listen to the show, we love you and all that stuff. But as it, look, if you could sit down with any of the young men that I've discipled in the past 12 or so years, you could tell them that j- just because I love you doesn't mean I'm not going to say stuff like that right to your face. Okay. Uh, you don't get to talk to girls. You are on, you are in the penalty box. Okay. That's the way that goes. Uh, for women who may have missed the mark, let me tell you the way that Jesus feels about any of us who have missed the mark. And as Glenn's saying, that's all of us. He loves us. And the, 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 fire of the love that he has burning in his heart for us is like the fury of a thousand trillion burning suns. He absolutely loves, loves, loves everybody who's missed the mark, which is everybody. And he says they are pure, clean, righteous, holy, just as righteous as Jesus Christ himself. If look, you, this, this thing is so whacked, it needs to go back in time and undo itself. That's what needs to, what needs to happen is we need to go back to when Matt read this question out loud and we need to go and just rewind the whole thing and not have asked it. Um, uh, this, the, the way that you need to feel about your own sexual life and, and everything else is, look, I'm a wreck who needs the forgiveness of Jesus and praise the Lord, I have it because he loves me and I get to start over. And that, and that's the exact way that you need to feel about every single person that you see. If you have an inclination to bring up somebody else's sexual past to make them feel like they are not worthy or they are, or they are somehow less or anything like that, you don't get to talk to them. And girls, let's just take a moment and talk to Ladies out there, if any guy ever makes you feel this kind of stuff, it is time to be done talking to him completely now. Find somebody else. There are other ones out there who know how to be a person. Amen. And and I and look, I, I can't wait. I you know, we Christy and I, we take every opportunity that we can to tell our daughters how to stand up for themselves, how to see them in the light of the love of Jesus. And, um, and I can't wait to, for, for some fool to talk to one of my daughters this way and just to see how that thing is going to go down because it's going to be beautiful. All I want to do is buy a ticket to it. And, and that's the way that we need, that's the way that we want you ladies that are listening to this show to feel about yourself, that you have the right to stand up for your righteousness in Christ. You have the right to stand up for the fact that you are forgiven and free and clean and you, uh, you are precious in the sight of God. That's the way we see you because that's the way Jesus sees you. And it's the truth. And so, um, yeah, I, th- I think I'm done there. I don't want to just keep, I'm just going to keep, and you're going to have to stop me, Matt. That's the thing. You got to hold <laughs> me right, back. Put, I put up the octagon, put the pause on it. Jed, close us out.
Well, you know, um, one of the things that's a useful thing whenever we're dealing with an emotionally charged issue is uh, to try and just look at some of the numbers um, and get a, 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 a bit of context and perspective that way. Um, uh, here in the United States, we have a governmental organization called the Centers for Disease Control. It's a big governmental body that has to do with just, you know, uh, helping public health. And a few years ago, they did a study of uh, people's sexual practices in the U.S., and they found that by age 21, 85% of people in the United States were no longer a virgin. Um, now, right. what that tells us is that if you're a young person, um, uh, basically uh, 9 out of 10 of the people in your life have had sex at some point in their lives and are not a virgin, uh, which means the idea that there is basically there's a bunch of us holy people, but there's a few harlots running around and we need right. to steer clear. Probably of them. out there at their secular universities. <laughs> that's that's just not the world that we're living in. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, a, what that actually implies is that there's a large number of people banging the drum about the idea of purity and virginity and whatnot. Um, who are themselves not virgins. Right. Um, right. And that tells us something really, really important. Let me tell you another statistic. Um, George Barna is a guy, if you don't know him, you should know him. He's a person that, he's a pollster, and that means he records statistics relating to Christianity and the church. And um, a few years ago, this number would have gone up, but uh, about 10 years ago, he did a study of pornography in the church, and he found that the vast majority of full-time serving pastors reported using online pornography in the last month. Right. Let me say that again. Mm -hmm. um, the vast majority of full-time pastors in the United States reported using online pornography in the last month. Those of us who do counseling with pastors are in no way surprised by that number. That's right. exactly right. They're convicted about it, but they're doing it. They're doing it anyway. And, that, and again, right. that study was from about 10 years ago. Um, broadband has gone up dramatically since then. That number yeah. would have gone way up since then. Yeah. Here's why that matters. You're hearing a lot of sermons about the evils of pornography from people who are themselves look, going home and looking at pornography. So what you're right. getting, both when we talk about virginity and when we talk about pornography, in truth, whenever we talk about anything sexual, a large number of the voices in Christianity are people who are talking loudly and dramatically about it to try and make themselves feel better yes. about the sinful things yes. they are doing. Yes. Hello. Yes. Mm. yes. If they make you feel bad about your sexual issues in some way that lessens their sense of their own guilt, right. it's like they're trans transferring their guilt onto you. Right. Well, what that means is um, we don't want to get caught up in that drama. The, the truth is everyone has sinned sexually. Everyone right. everywhere in the entire world. There are, by age 21 in the United States, there's a small number of people, approximately 1 in 10, um, who have not had um, vaginal penetrative intercourse with another human being. Um, but they have still, if nothing else, they have thought many, many, many naughty things. Which according to, what's his name, what's his name, Jesus is the exact same thing theologically. <laughs> That's exactly right. So what do we do with all that? Thing one is we allow ourselves to relax for a second and calm down and say, we're all in this together. We're all right. great big sinners. We've all done all this. Glenn and I both, and actually this is true for all of us on this podcast, do a lot of counseling with people who are looking to get married. The number of Christian couples who truly keep it in their pants all the way to their wedding is vanishingly small. Let me say that again. Yeah. The number of Christian couples who do not cross physical boundaries prior to their wedding is vanishingly, vanishingly small. And just on a side note, as someone, as you said, as someone who's done a lot of Maryland Halloween, would you say that those Christian couples who have kept their pants magically get gifted great problem-free marriages because of that? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Oh, interesting. Here is the given that we're all a great big mess, both the people who manage to stay virgins till they're married and the vast majority of people who don't, given that we're all sinners and all a great big mess, what do we do with all that? The righteous thing with sex is to go to God today and say, God, what do you want me to do with my sex life today? Amen. Where, That's it. where do you want me to point it? What do you want it to look like? How do you want it to work? Um, it, it's, it's on, everything's on the table. You tell me what stays and what goes. That is the maximum strength, holiest thing you can do with your sex life. If you've had That's sex, right. you <laughs> welcome to the club. Uh, if you haven't, you're just as sinful as everybody else. But the righteous thing here, no matter what, is to go to the Lord and say, what do you want me to do with my sex life today? It's all fantastic. All right, D dear question asker, I wanna I wanna pull you in close for a second. You, you've 
you've taken a little bit of a trip to the woodshed here and that's okay. <laughs> it's not that you pissed us off. It's that your question pissed us off. <laughs> and I want to explain why that is because we, again, as we've all reiterated, we're not mad at you. Here's what's almost certainly happened here is you've read a book or heard an online sermon yeah, from a very popular yep. pastor who's real fired up about stuff. Uh, and they took this verse out of context to try to trick you into something. And here's why that angers us deeply. And on top of a certain amount of counseling with people who want to get married, we've all done counseling with young women who have been sexually assaulted, yep. who have mm-hmm. been coerced, who've been drugged, something. And each one of us to a person has had them ask us, does this mean no Christian guy will ever want to marry me? That's correct. And what right. you've got here is you beat a pastor or an author who's trying to ma- say something they know theologically isn't true. Because if you've got a seminary degree, if you've actually read the entire chapter of Leviticus 21, it's impossible to think this is what that means. Amen. You've got right. someone who is trying to get famous and make money off that young lady feeling yeah. like crap about herself. That's a problem. That is evil. Yeah. yeah. There's no other word for that. I don't like that that is in the Christian culture, but it is. Yep. By very big name people. That is, as Glenn was pointing out, not only is this as bad a theology as you can get, this is as evil as you can get. It is using, twisting the word of God to make someone feel like they are incapable of having a relationship with God. That Yikes. is the business of Satan, literally. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you've got that in here and you've got, you know, it's also interesting this, what does this mean for men who are firm in their conviction? Let me give you this real quick. Conviction by the dictionary definition means something you are entitled to. While we're talking about basic Christian theology, you're not entitled to jack squat. Yeah. yeah. That's the whole thing. It's all grace. Yeah. Here's what I'm saying. You got caught up in this. I think an indication that you're a good dude is something sounded off about it. Right. You didn't buy it hook, line, and sinker. That's why you wrote it to us. We love that what you did. We love that we're a, f- a presence in your life where you feel you can ask these kind of questions. This is troublesome. As Leah's saying, please don't ever say these thoughts out loud. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Whoever you, if you bought the book, try to get your money back. If you listen yep. to the sermon, don't ever listen to another one. This is some crazy stuff that is weirdly prominent in Christian culture of someone taking either, as Jed was talking about, their own weird, unresolved sexual hangups, or just knowing something's popular. Yep. The whole soul ties and kissing, dating goodbye, which we've talked about, and just trying to jump on that and further their own cause yep. by making people feel like crap about themselves. That's not cool. You, we wouldn't want someone to try to do that to you. We don't want you to get caught up in trying to do that to a young lady because that's mm-hmm. not good for your heart either. So. We were a little tough. We're not mad at you. We're mad. Not at you. Be careful about what you listen to. If you hear something in a sermon, read something in a book that sounds a little off, please write in. We'd love to help you out with that. If you have a question, you can hit us at saythatpodcast at gmail.com or thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Remember, the Bridgebox address is missionusa.com slash bridgebox, missionusa.com slash bbly. Remember to check out The Water Tower. You can find that at iTunes or what's the website for that one, Lee? Uh, watertowerpod.com something like that all right i don't know watertowerpodcast.com <laughs> at watertowerpod on twitter there, for sure. yeah yeah at twitter at watertowerpod the link you can find that on either lee's blog or our blog or you can and check out the bridge podcast you can find that on itunes or at the bridge podcast.podbean.com listen to some free cool stuff some good music some good preaching thanks for listening just remember we love you god loves you there's nothing you can do about it the world's number one bidet power podcast <laughs> Ha, 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 ha,